Hello, and welcome back to Backbeat Conversations. On this podcast, we like to talk about all the facets of the music and entertainment industry and bridge the gaps between them. I'm Julianne Francis, here with my co-host, Selena Henry. What's up, guys? And this week, we are talking about stage presence and performance, a very... Um, something you hear about a lot, but it's hard to describe. <laughs> yes, extremely hard to describe. Yeah. Um, this is now the second episode we're doing without a guest because we started to feel like, you know, if if you are somebody who really really likes the guests, don't worry. Like we're still gonna have guests, but we have talked about um so many things in this industry and now that we are sort of you know making our way in our own career um you know we wanted to just have some chats about more specific things than we get into when we have guests yeah because sometimes a guest will say something we'll be like "Ooh, that would be really cool to talk about we don't want to like take the whole podcast talk about that one thing and yeah. we figured Julianne and I have been doing music for a while. Julianne longer than me, but still been doing it a while. And figured maybe we have a little bit of expertise to speak on some of these things. Right. And just like some honest, open conversation. Like, you know, like even as we're still learning with certain things, even just to, you know, have, yeah. a, have a chat. <laughs> Full chat. Yeah. Yeah. So this will be interesting because uh, if you listen to the last episode where we talked about stage clothes and we sort of pointed out how that can be an integral part of your stage presence and your performance and your confidence on stage, then you heard me talk about how I've been performing since, I don't think I said an age, but I... um. I did a program at the place where I took my bass lessons as a teenager where they put us into bands. So we were able to have gigs through them because businesses would agree to open up at a time that they usually wouldn't so that people who were not adults could play. Um, I think I started doing that. I want to say when I was around 14 or 15 and I am now 21 so that's six or seven years now that I have actually been struggling, having having a big struggle with stage presence. Um, so we can sort of talk about that too, like what I used to do versus what I do now and how I got there. And do I think what I do now is enough? <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm kind of the same way. I've been performing for a long time, but I have not always been in the rock. I've not always been with a band. I used to do a lot of theater. So I've been practicing stage presence in a lot of different ways since probably I was like 12 or 13. Different types of stage presence than what I currently currently exhibit. (laughs) So, I mean, you said something interesting there. So like, you said you've been struggling with stage presence. What does that mean? Yes. <laughs> Elena getting into interview mode. Okay. Um, I'm just making fun of her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so my uh, 
my situation is very specific. And I feel like if you've been listening for a while, you may have like pieced it together. Um, But I'll just sort of give you like the rundown. Um, I had been dancing since I was super little and I pretty much kept up with it um, all the way up until high school. And then I went to college for music and there was really no good way to like still dance. And now I've managed to work it into my musical career, but that's a different topic. Um, So that plays into it. Um, Being a dancer, especially once I switched to, um, I don't know if I want to, have I said the name of the studio on the podcast before? I try not to dox myself too much. Um, If I have, don't say it. (laughs) Yeah. If I have, I guess, oh, well, too late now, but Uh, A very like, um, I guess would be considered pre-professional dance school. Um, So like something much more serious. And then uh, um, right before that, I switched to a performing and fine arts school. So twice a week, my whole day was art and dance and music. And um, I didn't really do much theater. I did it like once. Uh, but that Ooh. was it too. <laughs> I'm sorry. I took an acting class and I just like, I, I was like, this is kind of whatever. I'm reading a script and it's whatever. Um, uh, so I did all of these things, right? So I have been on a stage in front of a lot of people since I was like two. So that's not necessarily scary. But what happened, I think was this is just sort of I'm trying to psychoanalyze myself and come up with like why I've struggled with stage presence when performing um, is I always had choreography when I was on stage up until I was about 12 when I started to play instruments. So, um, but even then, my mom and my teachers had to tell me like, Make sure you remember to smile. (laughs) I got to get my choreography down and, you know, it was all well and good. And, you know, I was pretty good at dance. Like I, you know, got my time in the front and everything. Like I would get little special parts here and there. Like, you know, I liked it a lot. That's why I switched to that more professional one. But I would still forget to smile a lot of the time. And I think that's maybe just more my personality. So I think part of it is that I grew up having a set things to do on stage and a set things of things not to do on stage. And um, personality-wise, like, it's not that I'm not a happy person. I'm just not a smiley person, if that makes sense. So then um, when I started playing music, Uh, I didn't really know what to do. And when we were in middle school, uh, the only way I I played music on stage was my school had guitar class. um, And it was basically just like a guitar ensemble. So we were all like sitting in chairs. So we didn't really like have to do anything. Uh, But then not long after that, I started that rock band thing. And I would just like stand there. And like no facial expression. Oh, I hit my microphone. No facial expression. I would just stand there. And my mom was like, you got to like 
do literally anything. <laughs> literally anything but that. <laughs> and she wasn't trying to be mean to me. Um, and like my parents like sort of know, they like sort of get it because um, when they were young, they were um, in a band together just as like a side thing. Um, and my mom was like, you know, I get it. Like I would just stand there, but then people would tell me I would get off stage and they would be like, you look bored, you look mad, like whatever. And she was like, now I like see that in you. And if you're going to keep doing this, like, you know, I'm, I'm paying for it over here, Julianne, like you gotta, uh, <laughs> figure out your life a little like I don't know <laughs> um and I kind of told her at one point like I think maybe it's because I always had like choreography and then she was like then like choreograph what you're gonna do for yourself so gradually oh, over parents the are years so fucking smart because <laughs> like you would never come up without your own but your mom mom no. are always like bro why don't you just do this and you're like yeah, why um, don't I just do that? Shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because like it I guess it just didn't think of it because it felt like weird. But then if you think about it, that's what like um pop stars do. Or I think in the last episode I mentioned KISS as a band that puts on um, you know, not only like playing their songs, but like a whole production. Like a lot of stuff like that is choreographed. So it's not like I have this whole like, okay, during this song, like this is exactly what I do every time. And during this one, this is exactly, it's not to that level of like um, a pop show or something. I sort of over the years got more and more comfortable of about um, doing it on the fly. Um, And then that sort of gave me a bank I'll say of like things to do things that I know I can do things that I feel comfortable doing and then when I got to college and I was in a band with people who I'm actually like very close with outside of being in a band and um, we're writing our own music so it feels more personal I feel like I've done leagues more and three years than I did in like four or five or whatever, like before college, um, because it's easier when you're up there with your friends and, um, you know, probably just time to like, I got more used to, I'm like turning away from you because my dog is like having a crisis. Um, I got more used to, doing things that before to me felt like extreme. Like I taught myself how to tap and play bass at the same time. I taught myself how to like fall down onto my knees while holding my bass, which I already knew how to like fall down properly and safely from dance, but then like doing it with a bass, like my bass weighs like 50 pounds and it's like, you know, four feet tall and like, yeah. Um, (laughs) um, getting used to like kicking on stage and (laughs) like all of that stuff. And we practice that in rehearsal, which helps. Um, When I was in high school in our rehearsals, we would just like stand there 
because we were like at the place where we all took lessons and we like didn't know each other very well. Like we just we just like got paired up and we would just like stand there. And then what do we do on stage? Stand there. <laughs> stand there. Yeah. If you don't do it in rehearsal, you're not gonna do it on stage. Yeah. So that was a very, very long-winded answer, but you asked me a very complicated question for me personally. So I'll shut up for a while now. But there is that. That is my struggle with stage presence and a little bit about how I've sort of gotten over it. And I don't think my mom has come away after one of my performances and been like, you didn't have enough stage presence in a while. So I think I have mostly figured it out. See, I did something kind of silly. I did did kind of the opposite. It's that I have always known that I was going to sing and the people that I watched because I was like an obsessive like like I like when you when you know you want to do something and you're a kid and you just like you just like consume everything you can about that thing like I was like an obsessive like YouTube watcher of like Lady Gaga and Beyonce and Katy Perry and like all these people who would like sing and dance and jump around and scream and do all that and so like for me in my head as like I was probably like I think I was 10 when I started listening to Lady Gaga like I was 10 when I started like actually like being like I'm gonna sing so I didn't sound good so my parents had to just put up with me but (laughs) uh, I was 10 but (laughs) um I kind of absorbed that as a singer you were supposed to like jump around and hold the mic and be on your back and be on your knees and um, annoy the rest of the people in your band and like be over their (laughs) shoulders and like whatever like I just had absorbed that but I didn't really have anywhere to put it into practice because all Mm. of the training that I was getting which was really frustrating for a long time while it was good training it was don't move your arms stand still Uh. don't like it was very much the classical stand in the crook of the piano and sing kind of training that I was getting and I'm still getting it but it's still good because technique is important if you're gonna jump around and do things and whatever but I was really frustrated by that for a long time because I was like where's where's the fun this is not fun um that's not to say that I obviously don't have things to learn I still do and I learn so much like as we have band rehearsal and as like I get more comfortable with like the band members and everything. But um well let me just yawn again. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, Elena um, is often the catalyst of getting the rest of us to have stage presence. Um so I feel like in the in the in the order of people who have experience having stage presence, it's probably like Elena has the most and then me and then like Adrian, Grant and Caitlin are at all probably like all round an equal level with experience of having to have stage presence. That's not like to say that any of us are better than the other when I say that, but it's sort of like a, you know, if you have a person in your group that uh, has more experience with it or even just a more positive attitude about it like someone who's less shy than the rest of you uh like definitely take that and use it to your advantage (laughs) it can it can be kind of like you don't know how far is too far like you you kind of got to keep an eye on it but you can go really far before you before you like uh 
before you go too far. I would say it's almost impossible to go too far unless you're Ozzy Osbourne and you decide that you're going to eat the bat on stage. Maybe that was too far. But um, everything before that, you can pretty much do. Like <laughs> everything before killing something on stage and eating it is like probably like fine. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. like, and like Julia, I'm talking about choreographing earlier. Like that is, that is good advice. Because, like, I do that, but I don't do it for whole sets. Like, I know sometimes pop stars have, like, very, like, Beyonce's whole set is choreographed. Every movement is, like, a plan. For me, there are parts in the music that when I hear them, I think I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. Like, that moment is a put your foot on the monitor moment. Or that moment is a be on your knees moment. Or that moment is a lay on your back moment. Whatever. You have to find your moments. And then you can be like, all right, well, before I do... So like, I guess um, I'll just, if I'm not talking too much, I'll just say like how I think on stage. Yeah. I'll be like, all right, so we're singing, whatever. We've, we play Judas by Lady Gaga a lot because it's kind of baller. And there's a part in that where I'm going to be on my knees, but I have to think before that. You have to give yourself a minute, like at least like 30 seconds beforehand where you can be like, all right, I'm going to be on my knees in 30 seconds. What should I do? to make that look more natural, to make that look like I didn't just decide to fall on my knees. Or like, yeah, here's a part where I'm going to go stand over Julianne's shoulder and be annoying. When should I leave the place that I am currently at on stage to get to where Julianne is standing so I can look over her shoulder? <laughs> <laughs> or like there are parts where I like, I'll hit the cymbal on the drums and I have to be like, all right, I have to put the mic back now. So I can go pick up the drumstick and hit the cymbal at the right time. And once you, once you do that a couple times, once you start to be like, I know in my, in my, in my muscles, I know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Then you can really start to play. Yeah. Cause once yeah. you, cause like the, the, the thing that a lot of people want to skip about stage presence is that you have to know your material like inside and out. Like forwards, backwards, up and down. You have to know what you're playing or singing mm -hmm. as much as possible. Because like even like songs we wrote, I was like thinking about something else and I forgot the words. <laughs> so like that has to be like infallible almost. Yeah. Like like, and... like a little memory cartridge in your brain. Like you cannot remove that. Yeah. So like we'll do a regular run through of the set where you know we just sit down and do it oh i accidentally opened the weather app hello no go away i got way. i got a, a new laptop and i'm confused okay <laughs> uh we'll do a regular uh run through of the set where you know we just like sit down and play it and if somebody's having a problem or like is confused about something like that's sort of where all that gets taken care of. And, you know, that's a time where everybody just sort of really pays attention to what they're playing and what somebody else is playing and staying together and all that. And you need time like that so that you don't have to uh, worry about being in the pocket, so to speak, um, and things like that, like, if you need literal examples, because for a while I was like, what are you talking about? When people would say that, it's like for me as a bass player, it's making sure that I play a note when Adrian hits the kick, um, hits the kick pedal. It's, uh, 
So when you hear the kick drum, you hear the bass at the same time. Um, and so like during those moments, what I'll do is I'll literally watch Adrian's leg. I will look at his leg and I will be like, this is the exact moment in and in time that I always need to be hitting this note. So those are like literal examples of being in the pocket. So you need time together so that that comes naturally so that you can do everything else. Um, and then Alina was talking about things that she does as a singer and as somebody who plays an instrument, a lot of the examples of stage presence um, and a lot of the famous ones, I feel like are of singers. Um, so I, that was another like hard thing is like what to do whilst holding instrument. <laughs> and that is like, it's something so odd because like when I was at this festival, like I was at a festival a couple weeks ago or whatever, and these people were like throwing their guitars around. And I was like, yes, yes. Yeah. And like jumping up and down. Like, and I asked the bass player, I was like, yo, how do you do that? Cause he was really like running around. Like he had a wireless pickup. So he was just like running around the audience and like mm -hmm. yelling at people. And he was like, well, I just have ADHD and I can't keep rhythm any other way. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> I was like, all right. But like even stuff like that, like, Julianne's right. A lot of the very famous stage presence examples are of vocalists and of guitarists. Yeah, especially of guitarists who are also vocalists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, uh, the problems I ran into and then the tips that I can say... Uh, once I sort of figured out how to navigate those problems and this sort of ties into what Elena was talking about with classical vocal training. Uh, if you're a vocalist, they're telling you not to move around because when you move the inside parts of your body, like your lungs and your diaphragm and everything are moving. Like if you move your arm, you're stretching out your rib cage and that's affecting your lungs and like, all this stuff. So that's why they tell you not to move. Um, that's why your hands have to be in a certain position. That's why you have to stand up straight. So you need to know all that before you start moving around so that when you're moving around, you're not affecting the important inside parts of your body to sing. And the same goes for if you are playing a guitar or a bass, you have to know where your thumb needs to be on the neck. You have to know how to hold your wrist. You have to know uh, where the pressure to push down the strings needs to be coming from, like what muscles that needs to come from. You need to know how to have your shoulders so that when then when you go to move around, um, the parts of the body that you're moving are not affecting your ability to keep all of that in alignment because otherwise you're going to hurt yourself. So like that's hard because you're like, okay, I have to keep my arm from the elbow down like this. So what do? And my other hand is also occupied. So like Alina said, you can physically move the whole instrument without compromising that position of your arms and your shoulders. Um, you can move your legs. Took me a while to be able to like 
move my legs around a lot because um, the weight distribution when you're holding an instrument that heavy is kind of weird. So sometimes I'll be on stage and I'm like, oh boy, I lost my balance. Try not to let anybody know that you feel like you're going to fall over. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, it got even more discouraging uh, when I started to take bass playing more seriously and people started to tell me that instrument is too big for you. And they don't mean bass as a whole because bass, as with guitars and drums, comes in different sizes. Now, I am 4'11 and 3 quarters and I weigh 93 pounds. I don't diet. I just, this is how I exist and I literally can't change anything about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so if I were to follow those people's advice and get something that they think fits my size, uh, it, it would be a child's instrument. And those are like kind of, you know, they're for children. So they like sound kind of poo poo and they, it looks like it's for a child. Like it's embarrassing. It's like wearing kids clothes or kids shoes. That's something that I've had to deal with like my whole life. You know, I can get away with like wearing kids converse because secret. They're the same shoe. Uh, Vans caught onto that. Converse has not. I hope they don't hear that. It's like $30 cheaper to buy the same shit on the children's tab. Anyway, that's something I've been dealing with my whole life. And then like professional bass player once even, like I did like a Berkeley camp, was like that instrument is too big for you. And if you know instruments and you know basses, I play fender jazz basses and i play five strings so like they're large um <laughs> admittedly i like i said four eleven and three quarters they come up to my collarbone neck area like if i set it on the ground in front of me like when i said it's four feet tall in the last episode like it is um but that was like very encouraging. Uh, wow. Very discouraging and not helpful. And I feel like any progress I was making that low key set me back because I was angry because I was like, I like my dad spent so much money on this thing for me. And then somebody's telling me that I shouldn't be using it. Uh, but I love it. It's my favorite one that I've had so far. And like, what do I do? Like, why is he telling me it's too big for me? He's telling me that I'm handicapping myself. Like, am I not going to be able to play the bass lines that I want to play? Am I going to hurt myself? Um, wow, my dog is like really having... Get out of here. Get, get out. Stop. She took the lid off the trash can. Get out of here. I'm going to have to lock you out. Bye. Okay, I'm back. Okay, <laughs> am I going to hurt myself, etc.? And I just sort of decided to be like, no, I feel like that's not true. Uh, and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to play this huge ass bass and I'm going to learn like Rush songs and like all this hard stuff. And knock on wood, I do not believe that I am hurting myself. Like I am not in pain. Um. My bass teacher in college said something like you might be, 
handicapping yourself playing ones this big because like you're small um to an extent that can be true but just make sure you stretch a lot and make sure you're being careful with yourself really like but yeah I know that was a long story but that was like a big one for me of just like bases be heavy and like I'm small so I get like weird I get like weird comments from men and then that was one that was just like I don't know what to do with that information because you're not telling me why it's a problem that my base is big and like when I say my base is big it's not like I'm playing an extra long scale it's not like I'm playing one that is purposely made super big it's a regularly sized base. It's a base for a regular adult human being. And I'm a regular adult human being. It's just that I'm 4'11". <laughs> so like, I'm not going to play, I'm not going to play a child's base and you can get a short scale. But my problem is they don't make short scales that have five strings and I'm stubborn and I don't want to retune. <laughs> and like, that's, I, I also had an, a similar experience to you. Now, like, I never played a physical instrument, but ev- everywhere I sang, everyone I sang for said, you're too loud. You're too loud. You're too loud. You're too loud. Always. From the time that I was, like, 12. So I can understand how, like, you can start to kind of apologize for how big the bass is a little bit. You're like, I like, I, this is just, this is just me. Like I liked it and it's blue and I think it's cool. And like, I, you know what I mean? Like, this is, this is me. This is my, this is my base. And that was always how I felt about my voice. And I was like, I can't literally cannot do anything about that. Like, I'm sorry. That's, that's I'm too, like, I'm too loud, but like you, no one ever gave me any kind of advice or any kind of like real feedback. They were just like, you're too loud. You're distracting. And I was yeah. like, Okay, so when I got to college, finally, for fuck's sake, someone was like, you just have to move the microphone away from your face while you're singing. Like, you have to be in charge of your volume because you're so dynamic, I can't work the fader fast enough to, like, even you out. Like, you have to do it yourself. And I was Shout like, out wow. Dr. Lipper. Shout out Dr. Lipper for that <laughs> amazing advice because I was like, wow, all these people were complaining about me being too loud all the time but no one ever bothered to say here's how not even how you fix it because I am loud people still say that They're like wow you're so loud yeah I, I I fucking know I'm sorry but just how to make it like how to make it blend in a little more with the rest of the shit like how not to like sing above people and stuff yeah so I, can, I understand how frustrating that was. And it was a hindrance to my stage personality too, because I was like, I don't, if I'm too loud and I take up space, am I then just being a nuisance? And it's yeah, just like, are people going to have a poor opinion of me if I do all of this? Like, are people going to mistake it for an ego? Yeah. And there never, there never is, I mean, there's a little ego, you have to, like, believe in yourself, and, like, that does come from your ego, but, like, there's never been ego in, in music for me. I think the second there is ego in music, I have to take myself out of it and reevaluate, because that's not what music is about, and also, that's not what stage presence is about, 
because it's not you having an ego. It's you being entertaining because you are an entertainer. You are paid to entertain. You are allowed to be entertaining for 40 Mm -hmm. minutes or an hour or whatever you get paid for. Like, that's your job. Like, you don't have to be like, what if they think I'm, they don't think you're annoying. They paid to see you. Yeah. And they, they want you to do that. Yes. And that's what my mom used to tell me. Like people, my mom was like, you know, people are coming to see you. They want to see you having fun. Like they want you to smile. They want you to move around. Like it's not embarrassing. It's what it's what this is um and if you're like okay well what is entertaining um you know we talked a little bit about the things that we do but one big thing that elena said earlier is she used to watch what other people did and then sort of took after that and i think that that is uh again i know i said look at people last time but Look at people. Look at, yeah, look at the people that you look up to. And if, if you're like, okay, like I, I think I could do that, then do that. And even um, if you're like looking at it and you're like, that looks dumb. That's right. that's still learning. Or like you're uh-huh. looking at it and like um we have a, a professor who says who says this is this is an old quote, but he says, um good artists borrow, great artists steal. And I don't necessarily always believe that, but there are only so many things you can do with a microphone and a mic stand. So if you're looking at people and being like, oh, that's a cool thing, or like, that's a cool way to hold the microphone or whatever, you, that's still learning. Or like, if you look at someone and you're like, that looks dumb, or you're like, they don't sound good in that position, that's also learning. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I I did not obsessively watch YouTube videos, but what I did do, and, you know, this is something that costs money, so I'm not necessarily going to recommend it to you unless you can. Um, one of the things that, like, you know, every family has things that they like to do and those things monetarily like have importance upon them. Like you give up other things to be able to do this. Concerts was like my family's thing or still is, but we've been going through COVID. So like we haven't been really, Um, but like that is what we would do. So I've been going to concerts since I was like five. And as I started to get more and more into music, one of the ways that my mom started to justify going to concerts when she was like thinking about the the price because <laughs> sometimes like They're shit's a commitment expensive. yeah sometimes shit's a commitment um she was like it's important for julianne to go and like to see it um like uh i've seen madonna twice now and the second time just me and my mom went because like damn madonna tickets are so expensive i wanted to cry and i didn't even pay for them but she was like you know you should go like i'm not gonna stand here and prevent you from seeing that um so then later as i started to gain more confidence 
on stage, I noticed that I was retroactively taking from all these concerts that I went to my whole life, like sort of subconsciously in a way. Um, so watching people works, even if you don't immediately put in, into practice, you are absorbing it. And mine probably more in a more extreme way, because like I said, I've been going since I was five and I'm not even exaggerating, like literally. Um, so you do absorb everything at that age, but, um, the more you watch them, the more you will do and start to put into practice as you gain confidence and yeah um yeah I feel like that's on a personality level another way that I struggled with this um and whoever edits this you can cut this out if he does not want me to say it but I know when we talk about stage presence and stage clothes referring to last week's episode uh Grant um who's one of the guitar players in Violet Fire, the band that Elena and I are, are in together. Uh, he's like, I don't know what to do because I don't want to be unauthentic to my personality. And he's not a shy person and he is not introverted. He's a reserved but, person though. Yes. And I feel like I can maybe be shy. I am not reserved. I am loud as fuck and like have a lot more like outward energy than he does at times but then when I am seemingly reserved I feel like it comes from a different place than his does so those like personality traits like you might feel like you have to sort of navigate and figure out what feels right to you Um, and I can't necessarily tell you like what will and won't feel right to you without like knowing you. <laughs> and there are like beautiful, subtle ways to have stage presence that aren't so big. We make big music. So our stage yeah. presence has to be big. You know, if you're a singer songwriter or if you're, um, you play the guitar, there are simple like things you can do with your hands or things you can do with your face. Like, it doesn't have to be like so intense. That's just the way that I have taken it. And the way that I find joy in it is to just like have a really intense 40 to 60 minutes on stage. But like if you're a folk singer and that's that you don't have to do that, but you do have to find a way to express what the music is not expressing. Yeah. Or to further your music. Yeah. Like there are some I, singers with really beautiful, graceful hands when they use them. Like they have the mic on a stand and they have really beautiful, graceful hands. Rihanna is one of those people. She has really graceful hands. And like Jennifer Hudson doesn't usually take the mic off the stand. But when Jennifer Hudson is singing, nobody is not paying attention. Everybody paying attention when Jennifer Hudson is singing. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I I don't want this conversation to discourage anyone. Like, if you are very self-conscious or you feel like your self-awareness is not what you want it to be, because in sort of like an almost unfortunate way, a lot of this stuff, like, that's where it comes from and doing it in a subtle way. Because again, like, you may, f- like, 
you got to get through the whole set. And sometimes you got to get through the whole set multiple days or weeks or whatever in a row. So, you, you know, want to make sure you're taking care of yourself. You can't necessarily go like one hundo mode for 60 minutes straight, you know, <laughs> uh, every Friday and Saturday, every week. Uh, you know, there's moments where you just got to like stand there for a minute, at least for myself to make sure that I don't, freaking pass out you know but especially in those moments of I can't let the stage presence go in those moments and I bring it up because Elena was talking about there are more subtle ways you don't have to jump you don't have to kick you don't have to swing your instrument around in those more subtle ways um that could be easier for you because you don't have to make those big movements but in those moments because I uh, experience both. I can't let the stage presence go. I can't just stand there. Even if you're just standing there, there's a way to do it with stage presence. And I discovered that I just had to stop being self-conscious about the people looking at me. Like, I, I, like, I don't know, I guess I thought they were going to like judge me for moving. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if you struggle with that, I don't want this to be discouraging. Um honestly, like this might sound weird, but to just like start doing it, you might find can like help a lot. Like if you experience one time of people being like, yo, like your performance was like really good. Like if you just take a deep breath and you're like, all right, I just got to do it. I'm going to commit. Yeah. A lot of that self-consciousness might melt away and it might boost up your self, self-esteem. Um, I mean, obviously your self-esteem should come from within another risk with this stuff is you don't want to develop the unhealthy habit of your self-esteem relying on people telling you how good of a job you did once you get off stage. But you know, t- t- take a compliment. Like it's okay. That it's doesn't nice mean you can't. Hear. Yeah, <laughs> but be be your own critic. Yeah, because like, be happy with how you perform. People will say things to me, and I'll be like, I don't agree with that, but they said it, so I can think yeah. about it. I can be like, oh, that was a thought that I had. That was a uh, that was an interesting. Like, that was a good... Sorry, my roommate just came in and I, like, got distracted. That was a good, like, thing they told me. But because I don't agree with it, I'm not going to put it in play. Like, my papi will be like, oh, I don't like when you lay on your back. And I've been like, "Mm, no. Because they're few and far between and I, like, really like to do that stuff. So it's like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Is there any... Is there an aspect of this? I mean, I'm sure there is, but is there an aspect of this that we feel like we haven't done yet? Oh, we got to talk about physical fitness. Oh, yeah. You right. LOL. I'm trash at that. Well, I could talk about it a little bit because it's not always fun. But once you start finding serotonin at the gym, you're like, hell yeah, I want to be here all the time. And like once, 
once I started working out with the goal of like, like I would have a very specific goal in mind. And sometimes the goal would be headbanging. Hmm. The goal is I'm going to sing and headbang. Where the goal is I'm going to jump around. And once I stopped working out because I like thought I had to or had to look a certain way and it was all about like making me a better performer, I was like, yo, and this shit works. Because <laughs> I actually want to be there because I'm not, I'm not there because someone told me I had to be or because I need a bigger ass or be, whatever. I'm there because it makes me a better performer, which is the ultimate goal of my life, ultimately. Yeah. I I keep thinking I want to try again because, like, all my life, I was a dancer, and that was my exercise. Um, when you're a da- When you're a professional dancer as an adult, before I continue you need to work out and like do yoga and do very specific workout routines to stay physically fit as a professional adult dancer. But like when you're a child and you're dancing multiple nights a week, like that's your physical exercise, you know? Um, (laughs) And it was physical activity that I was getting serotonin from. Even once I knew that I was going to be a bass player, I was like, no, I still need to allot time in my week to do dance, even if it's at a much lower like frequency than before, like I still need to do it because it makes me happy. And I was kind of sad when I got to college and I wasn't doing it anymore. And now I have like no muscle anymore. Well, not no muscle anymore. Like some of it stayed, but, and I'm kind of sad about that, but I'll like work out consistently for a couple of weeks and I'll just be like, It's like not fun though, because I'm comparing it to what dance was. Like I haven't found a way to like make it something that's not a chore. Yeah. And it took me a long time to do that. And it really, what it took was that I didn't want to go in the morning. I I do at school, but when I am at home, Planet Fitness is 24 hours. I will head off to the gym at 11 p.m. Like it's, it is what it is. And I like when there's less people in there, you can dropping business cards. You can just walk around. You can like, there's not like the feeling of like, there's also the feeling of like that you don't deserve to take up space in the gym, which is something I've had to overcome because I'm not an athlete in the traditional sense. Like I'm definitely an athlete and the things that I do and Violet Fire does are athletic in nature, but because they're not like, real sports I'm doing air quotes you can't see me I'm doing air quotes um (laughs) I often felt like I couldn't take up space in the gym so once I started being like I deserve to be in the gym because my fitness is as as important as everybody else's was when I actually started having fun at the gym Mm. because before it was like oh well like I don't want to like get in that guy's way or whatever and now I'm like well no he's in my way I'm on the squat rack and he's in my way or like that guy walked in front of the mirror while I was looking at my form when he didn't need to you know what I mean yeah like once you start taking ownership of the space like because it's your space while you're in it then you get you can like actually get a good workout in and you can actually feel happy and like the gym and also singers you're gonna hate it but I'm gonna say it you have to do cardio 
You have to do it. I feel like everybody hates cardio. Everybody's like, no, please. I actually really like cardio. <laughs> but that's been a that's been a, a growth thing for me because basically well, the whole time I'm on stage I'm doing cardio. So now I kind of associate cardio with singing. So I feel a little and I that yeah. was a trick that I did too was I would go to the gym when it was like less full so I could sing out loud. Like if it was 1 a.m. there's nobody yeah. in the gym, I would just associate singing with working out. And so that was like my singing time. So like you have to find your little tricks. Like if like, like sometimes I would go to the gym and be like, today is album day. You can listen to a whole album start to finish and you can just, you have nothing else to do. You don't have to do anything else. You're in the gym. You can just think about the album, how it's written, what's going on in it. Like you have to find something, something fun, something you like to do. I, sometimes I watch TV. I'll be in the gym watching the movie and I'm, I'm not even on the cardio machine. I'm just like watching Star Trek while I do my squats like <laughs> yeah you got to find your zen but it's important because like you don't have to be a top top tier like protein shake drinking athlete to be a musician but you nah. do have to be like fit in shape in shape especially so you don't hurt yourself that's the main issue it's like it's yeah. not about the look it's about the way that you feel mm-hmm. the way that your body feels and then you don't want to hurt yourself. Maybe I'll just start learning K-pop dances instead of doing a <laughs> traditional workout. Yeah, because it, like that's what I used to do. And I had all the same muscles that you would get from working out. And it's cardio all at the same time. I think that's why I hate cardio because I used to just learn a dance. And like it was everything all in one except weightlifting, um, which my mom has weights. So I can do that, you know. I can do my weightlifting, then learning K-pop dances can be my reward. <laughs> yeah, because and also like you know, I we always advocate for like being kind to yourself, like knowing when to push yourself, but also be kind to yourself. Like working out is not a punishment. Like this, the, as when you start thinking about it that way, it's already toxic. Working out is not a punishment; it's something you do to help yourself. Yeah. Like. If you didn't eat right and you don't feel good that day, you don't have to punish yourself by going to the gym. It does more to hurt you when you treat it as a form of punishment than it does to help you. Yeah. Yeah. And we we kind of got away from like specifically music there for a while, but like it's still important to talk about because it is a part of being able to be on, on, to be on stage and have that like stage presence. Mm-hmm. is that you have to like be confident that your body is able to do the thing yeah and if you're like damn this was a really weird episode and it's not what i expected to talk them to talk about when they said this episode is about stage presence um and that's because it like doesn't like if you expected this to be an instructional how to this is what you do on stage. That doesn't matter. It's everything that we talked about that surrounds your stage presence and what's affecting you when you're attempting to have stage presence that matters. Yeah. If you get all of that stuff like in place, then the stage presence will automatically gradually get 
better. And I can speak that from literal experience. And that doesn't mean you can't play shows until it's perfect. It just means that every show you do your best and every time you will get better and better. And then as you get better and better, you'll get more and more shows and better and better shows. So, you know. Yeah. And that's really what it is. It's not, I can't tell you like at this section of this song, you're going to put your knee on the whatever. Like, it's not like that. Mm -mm. It's very much emotionally driven. It's very, it's, it's a very emotionally driven part of being a performer. Yeah. And it's very, and it changes all the time. I don't always do the same shit. There are things I do over and over again, but there are also things I do that are different. And it also depends on the equipment you have that day and the space you're in that day. So the more you know before you go into the space, the quicker you can adapt. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have what I like to do for big stages and I have what I like to do for small stages. And I have ways that have made both of those situations easier, um, especially holding a large instrument. Like, you know, there's just anything that you can do, like, yeah, be be prepared. Know what's going to happen. And then um, if you do want like literal instructional advice, if there is something physical you can do to make the stage presence easier, like I got a wireless um, pickup system for my base and you can get ones that are like really cheap and they work just fine. Like I have like the Relay G10 and it covers more frequencies that I need. And it was like a hundred dollars or something. Like it's super easy to plug in. Like those things, like I think people sometimes think things like that are like scary. It's not just walk into the guitar center and and grab one. Like, (laughs) um, but I was like, this will make my stage presence better because I will not be tripping over wires. I will not be bound to a certain radius. Like, you know, this is a physical piece of equipment that will like, you know, and it, it it encouraged me is it encourages me too because I'm like okay my mom bought this for me and I have it and I brought it and I plugged it in so I have to leave my little box because I have a wireless and I can <laughs> it, it's like a you know a psychological thing like I have this therefore <laughs> I must use it yes this is happening um. I have, therefore I use. Yeah. I think for me, that was like, I think I had, I think I have now said everything that I previously thought of that I felt like I could contribute to this episode. Yeah. I think I've said everything I can say also. Let me just have, let me just think. Nope. That's it. Everything is, I've, I've said everything I need to say about this, except for maybe if someone tells you you're too loud or your bass is too big, tell them to mind their business. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I think sometimes people get worried about me, but once I got to college and my college, if my college professor, because I was looking to buy a nicer bass than the one I had. If he was like, don't do that because I'm worried that you are going to get hurt, then I wouldn't have done it. You know, I made the choice. Uh, Did I make my life a little bit harder? Nah. 
Probably. I, I don't really know, but it has since not affected me. I have not encountered a baseline that I'm like, I can't do it. And the reason is that my base is too big. Like, it's not like that. So just a final note there because I get so many comments about it. Like so many TikTok comments. It's a, it's a lot. <laughs> no, TikTok was like, oh my God, our base is so big. Yeah. Whatever. And I was like, hey. well, there were also a lot of, do you listen to Grow in Red comments, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, internet. I know I have a septum ring and an undercut and I play bass and I wear jean jackets, uh, but I'm not gay. <laughs> it was like it was like a it was like a 50-50 split. It was like, well, yeah, it was like a 50-50 split. It was like, oh my god, the bass is so big, and like something along the lines of the bass being big, and then the other 50% were like, oh my god, does she listen to Girl in Red? Oh my god, it was just she listened to Girl in Red, and it was just like <laughs> It was so funny. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's it for me. Yeah. Uh, that's it for today's episode of Becky Conversations. We've got a new episode every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on all streaming platforms. Thank you so much our, for our second solo episode. If you had anything more specific you want to know about, you can DM us on the um, Facebook or the Instagram and we'll answer. Like what you hear? Look up Witch Weather on all streaming platforms and make TikToks with it. It's a-